We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Thank you so much, Miss Anne, for that amazing intro. And uh, yes, I am very much a PK. And, you know, one time when I was a kid, they thought of this great idea. Let's create a summer camp for PKs. So they took all of the preacher's kids from like the bottom half of Michigan and put us all in a camp together. I will spare you the stories and I'll tell you they never did that again. It was a one and done, never again. All those things you hear about uh, are mostly true. (laughs) Um, First, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you to uh, Pastor Steve and Yvonne. You know, Miss Yvonne gave a great, you know, Bless us, thank us. Can I tell you what? We pray often, God, use me. God, would you use me? I just want to be used by you today. And when he gives us the opportunity, I'm the one that just gets blessed to do this. So I really feel like it's an honor and a privilege. So thank you to them and thank you to you, church, for uh, opening your doors and welcoming us. Um, I will give you just a, my, my testimony, my story in a real short, I'll try to put it into 60 seconds. I don't know how well I'll do, but I'll try. Uh, I did grow up inside of Team Challenge and grew up uh, a preacher's kid and spent many of naps on those red velvety pews. Anyone remember those? <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I was, I was surrounded by a lot of people that loved the Lord. And yet I found myself really believing that salvation, God, all of it was all about rules and, and regulations. And, um, you know, I know today that rules without relationship always leads to rebellion. And I can assure you of this because I see it time and time and time again. If you are here and you really, your your idea of God is that I have to do these certain things and I have to follow these rules and I have to check these things off. Rules apart from a vibrant, loving relationship with the Lord will always equal rebellion. And so that's exactly what I did. I, I rebelled against everything I knew. And I, I just said, you know, I want the opposite of what I have seen my whole life. And so I'm going to go as far as I can the opposite way. But how many people in here know that you cannot outrun God? He will pursue you in your darkest moment, and that's exactly what he did. And he found Mike and I in a very broken, desperate place as heroin addicts. And people look at me today and they, you know, I've had people tell me, I don't believe you. And I'll say, well, look, I will call my mom and she will tell you about the endless nights of prayer on her knees for us. And uh, so I just know, we know God's faithfulness. We know that he's good. We know he saves, heals, and restores because he did it in our own lives. He's good. He is good. Um, Growing up, 
you know, my whole aim was to dodge, to make it through the rapture. I'm going to give away my age. You remember Left Behind. Woo, Kirk Cameron. I had some nightmares growing up. And my whole thing growing up was I just, I, I wanted to make the rapture. So I say, I got saved every Sunday because I had this fear that the rapture would happen right at the moment that I said something naughty I shouldn't have said or did something bad that I shouldn't have done and that I would get stuck. And all I remember were those red globs that fell from the sky in that awful movie, you know, when the blood starts like pouring out and I would have nightmares about it. And so it's so funny, you know, now that I am an adult and I know that I had some messed up theology as a kid, didn't I? And uh, so my whole life was all about rules, regulations. When God rescued us, I found out that that is not what he is about. He is about our hearts. And he loves us. And that really is what he wants, is our heart. And he wants a relationship with us. And so that has been... Since saying yes and surrendering our lives, our most important thing in the very center of our life is our relationship with him. And so that is a a little bit of our history, and uh, it's such a blessing and hard work uh, working at Teen Challenge and helping people that are, you know, right where we once were. Um, I know that I know that I know God wants to talk to us today about disappointment. Um, I've been praying about what he wanted to speak to you through me um, about, and I have just received confirmation after confirmation, and so it's so good to speak in confidence and know what the Lord wants to say. And so I'm really excited for what, what he wants to share. Would you pray with me before we jump into the word? Father, thank you uh, that you are so good and you're faithful. Even when we can't see it, even when it hurts, even when we don't understand, you are faithful and you're good in every situation. I ask that you would just open our minds, our hearts, our ears to hear what you would say today. Let any words that I speak that are, are, that are not you, let it fall to the wayside and let your voice be loud and clear and resound in our hearts and our minds today. We give you complete control. We thank you for who you are and what you are and what you're doing. And we just want to be where you are today. So would you come with your presence in this room Father, we love you, and we are so overjoyed to be part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you open your Bibles to John chapter 11? And I want you to know something. Um, This Bible... I've had people bring me new Bibles because they thought that I needed a new one. And so I now I try to tell people when I speak about this, you don't have to get me a new Bible. 
I love this one because it was my grandmother's Bible and she was a prayer warrior and she has notes in here of people and dates and times when she was interceding and scriptures she was using to intercede. Um, My father had overdosed many times and on one occasion uh, he had been dead for over a minute and she prayed and she said, in the name of Jesus, you will live and you will not die. And breath came back into him and he lived. And so when I hold this Bible, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I, I know that someone was touching these pages and believing every word that it says. And that's good stuff. I hope you believe it because we're about to jump in and uh, we're going to dissect. I know that God has some things to share with us in John chapter 11. And we are going to start with verse one. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This is Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And I'm just going to take some pauses throughout our time reading because I know that God is saying some things through here if we just take a deeper look. And it's just like God. He says that this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And it's just like God to use a situation that seems really bad and really urgent, right? And he says, no, I know what it looks like to your eye, but you have to look past that. My son is going to be glorified through it. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes a situation like this will happen. And I have faith for all of 48 hours. And then I'm trying to fix it myself and I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to help it. And when I read this, I just thought, oh God, we got to get some grit. Church, do you know what grit is? It's where you dig in your heels and you say, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to believe what he said. And that is where I'm going to remain. I'm not after 48 hours going to try to fix it myself because oh, he can do things so much better than Amy can. And I know that. And I, I've seen it time and time again. And so I know that the situation here looks very dark and it looks like there isn't a way out but he's saying just hold on a light is coming and and the sun will be glorified through it amen amen let's keep reading now jesus loved martha and her sister and lazarus so when we heard so when he heard that lazarus was sick He stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Wait a minute. Did we read that right? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so he loved them, and he delayed his answer. And he delayed the answer to the prayer. 
woe. Because Jesus loved them, he delayed. He didn't run immediately to their urgent situation. He heard their cry, but he didn't answer 60 seconds later. It says, because he loved them, he delayed. God's delay often produces something in you that can't be produced any other way. Ooh, that's good, and that's for someone. God's delay, his delay in his answer to your prayer is his love for you. And he's creating in you something that can't be created any other way. See, I couldn't have told you about this 10 years ago, but being through some things in my life, I can tell you that his delay produced a grit in me that allows me now to dig in my heels and say, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you see because Jesus, but Jesus, he sees it a different way. Amen. I'm so glad that he does. And in the delay, I'm not going to lie to you, it hurts. And it's painful because you want the answer and you want it now. But he's doing something in his delay that is going to be much better than if he were to rush in right now. And I'm sorry, I wish I could take away the pain. Because I know in the delay, there is pain. There is but he's going to do something and he's going to make something beautiful with that. Let's look at verse 14. Or I'm sorry, let's keep reading. We'll read through this. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Time out. I would have been one of those disciples. Come on, don't you read your Bible and you're like, Jesus gives this awesome parable. And they're like, what do you mean? Where are you going? Are we going to another city? You know, he's talking about the kingdom and talking about heaven and, and they just never really understand. And I feel like that would have been me. So sometimes I read this and I go, oh, it's okay, guys. I'm right there with you. I would have been one of you. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, this is an interesting, again, let's take a little time out. God confirms that his delay is doing something. He says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, 
I'm glad I wasn't there. And he was, what he meant by that is, I'm glad I wasn't there to just quickly make sure everything was all right. He says, so that you may believe. He's saying that in that doubt, I am producing a faith in you that can be produced no other way. Whoo, that is good stuff. He's good, isn't he? All right. Okay, let's, we're going to go to verse 16, and this is where I want to, I promise, I'll stop doing rabbit trails, and we're going to park the car for a minute. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Um, Let me just sum up, okay, John 11, you guys know the story. Jesus comforts Lazarus, his sisters. He calls them out of the grave. We all know that story, and that's good. But what I want to go back to is verse 16. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. For 2,000 years, we've been calling this man Doubting Thomas. Now, I grew up a PK, okay? So can I tell you, Doubting Thomas and the hole in the hand, I can't tell you how many times I traced my hand and drew a circle in it and wrote at the top of the page, Doubting Thomas, because that was the lesson. And I grew up hearing about Doubting Thomas. And I remember thinking as a kid, Why did Jesus let this skeptic hang out with him? Why did he let this doubter, you know, why was he in the inner circle? Shouldn't they have kicked him out? God began to show me what this story is really about and what Thomas is really about. So for 2,000 years... We have called him Doubting Thomas, yet what I read is, let us also go that we may die with him. Does that sound like a doubter? He's saying, Jesus, we're going to where they want to kill you, but I don't want to live my life without you. So so I'll go too. Let's go because I'm willing to lay down my life for you. That doesn't sound like a doubter to me. And then it really started to mess with my children's ministry curriculum because all I knew was doubting Thomas, but he's not doubting here. So what happened? What happened from point A to point B? And that's what I really began to pray and ask the Lord about. He doesn't sound like a doubter. See, what I believe is that Thomas's real issue was never doubt, and it was never skepticism. What his real issue was, was the pain of losing Jesus. It was the pain of his situation not ending like he thought it should. It was the pain of a dream that he had instantly being crushed when he saw Jesus on that cross. I don't think that Thomas was some just all the time skeptic, always asking questions about and doubting and not believing. I think the pain of things not turning out the way that we want them to turn out 
can cause some very serious roots of doubt and unbelief and will cause us to be robbed of encounters with God. That's what I believe. Thomas leaves his whole family, his work. He leaves everything to follow this man named Jesus. He's giving everything. He's going from a life of certainty to a life of complete uncertainty. And he's all in. The scriptures actually say he was a zealot. He was passionate about the Lord. He wasn't lukewarm. He didn't have one toe in. He was all in. He was so all in that he says, let us go that we may die too then. Because I'm all in. I can't picture my life without you. I can't picture my life going back to fishing, doing whatever I was doing before you turned it upside down and things got so good I never thought they could be this good. So when he says, let's go to, what he's saying really is, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you are the one that that they talked about. I believe you are who you say you are. Yet, church, can I just tell you the truth? We have labeled this man based on a struggle he went through. That wasn't his prior, and that wasn't his latter. Thomas went on to do great things. Yet we've labeled him based on a struggle. I'm so glad Miss Ann didn't say, and we are so thankful to have Junkie Amy here. Uh, We're so glad, you know, Heroin Correa is here, right? I mean, we're laughing, but that's what we've done to this man. We have called him Doubting Thomas. And we need to be careful about the way we talk about people. Mm Mm-hmm. We can call out the gold like the scripture says. And we can learn something today from Thomas about his doubt that really wasn't doubt. It was some pain that needed a healing savior to walk through the wall and meet him right in his mess and say, oh, oh, but I did this for you. That's that's who he is. So I want you to just think about it from Thomas's perspective for a minute. Thomas is there when they capture Jesus. He's there when he's being brutally beaten. He's there when they put a crown of thorns on his head. What is Thomas thinking? Don't you think that the disciples may have started to ask some questions in their mind? Is he really who he says he is? And Thomas, knowing the whole time that he could save himself at any moment, but he doesn't. And the final jab happens and the Roman soldier puts in the side of Jesus and we read in the scriptures that blood and water flow out and what is Thomas thinking in that moment you've left me 
I gave up everything for you. I gave up everything to follow you. And you left me. You abandoned me. See, pain and rejection will do some things inside of you that are not what God intended. And that's exactly what Thomas went through. So now Jesus is dead. And Thomas is like, I don't know what to believe. Was he the Messiah? Was he who he says he is? And all of the whys. And can I tell you, when your mind starts asking why, it is a dangerous place to be. You'll start asking why that happened. God, why didn't you intervene sooner? God, why didn't you save so-and-so? Why didn't this happen? Those whys will lead to a dark place. And that dark place is where doubt and unbelief start to grow some serious roots in your heart. And the only one that can uproot them is the same one that uproots them for Thomas. Amen? Thomas must have thought, what's next? What do I do now? He's gone. He left me. What do I go back to? What is my life going to be like? And again, the doubt and the questions. I want you to flip with me to John chapter 20. And I don't know about you, but I, I really, I'm getting blessed by Thomas. Thomas is showing me that in my own life, uh, I'm not alone, right? Because in church, you know, growing up, I really, I just heard that you got to have faith. And no one, uh, no one talked about, but what happens when life happens and you start doubting and you have real questions. No one really talked about those hard times where you really do start to question everything that you've been told. And uh, Thomas shows me that God is big enough to handle your doubt. And he's big enough to take the pain and the disappointment that you have and he can handle it And he's going to show you time and time again that he is faithful. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Er, Sorry, this isn't even in my notes, but I want to tell you something. That just, that says something. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. What happened when Jesus came to the disciples for the first time? What do we see? The infilling of the Holy Spirit, right? Thomas missed out on an opportunity because his hurt, his pain, and his rejection had him isolated over here and robbed him of an encounter with the Lord. Ooh, and that is a word for us today. Don't let your pain, your disappointment, your rejection rob you of an encounter with the Lord like Thomas. This is real. He missed out on that. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. 
And it just says, we have seen the Lord, exclamation. I think of what it must have really been like. Because I don't think they were just like, we have seen the Lord, exclamation. I think they were freaking out. I think they were like, Thomas, you know, we saw him. He's real. They say this to him. But he says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I used to read that and I thought, you know, that's the famous line that we usually read and that labeled him the skeptic, the doubter. I read that today and I can, I can feel Thomas's pain of a picture that he didn't paint, of things not turning out the way he thought they would turn out, the dream that he had being crushed, the answer to the prayer not coming. And you can feel his pain. It's not skepticism, friends. It's raw pain that we all know. Amen? So what does Thomas, what does, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know what Thomas is doing here? He's building up a wall. He's putting brick after brick. And he's saying, I believed everything. I believed he was the Messiah. And you know where that got me? Into a real painful place in my life. And I'm going to make sure that I don't ever feel that kind of pain again. And so he starts to put brick by brick, brick. And he's building a wall around his heart. So that he'll never be hurt like that again. Oh, some of you know about that because you've felt that raw pain and you've put up brick by brick by brick. And the problem is all of those bricks are doing the same thing. It's robbing you of an encounter with God and he loves you so much that he'll love you and he'll hold you with your heart that has bricks around it. Oh, he will because he's good and he's faithful. But friend, there's an encounter waiting for you on the other side of it. There is. And here's the good news. Thomas gets that encounter. Verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting, Thomas and believe the savior walks through the wall and goes directly to thomas in the midst of his doubt his hurt his pain 
And look, let's be real. When Thomas said that to the disciples, do you think he was believing in everything? No, right? He's thinking, I'm going to say this because it's going to protect me. There's no way that that's going to happen. So he verbally tells the disciples, and then Jesus walks through a wall, meets him in the middle of his mess, and repeats back to him verbatim exactly what Thomas said he needed to hear. Oh, Jesus will do it. And guess what? He didn't just do it 2,000 years ago. He'll meet you right in your pain, right in your mess. He'll meet you right there. And just like he did for Thomas, he'll show you that he is faithful and he'll keep doing it. Amen. So where, where do things go from here? I mean, Jesus is really setting the stage, isn't he? So Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And can't you feel each brick being blasted right through? He said, you can build up a wall, Thomas, but you will never go far enough that I can't reach you. And he busts through those bricks And Thomas instantly knows, you are the Messiah. You are the one. Everything you said was true. Everything that was said about you is true. And truth starts to flood his soul and begins to remove doubt and pain. Because that's what happens When you allow God to come into your heart and into those painful places of your heart, he removes that pain and doubt and he replaces it with an outrageous love that only he can do that. Amen. So what do we need today? I believe is the same thing that Thomas needed. We need a savior that knows how to walk through walls, how to walk into your messy situation. And he is going to come right in and inject hope and serve an eviction notice to your doubt. Because your doubt is simply a symptom of some pain and disappointment that you've been holding on to. And you can hold on to it if you want to, but oh, I can tell you that it's going to rob you of some things that God wants to do. He can't use you fully when you're holding on to these little pieces over here. And you need exactly what Thomas needed, which is a savior that's going to walk right through the wall, meet you right where you are. And if you say, I give you permission to come in, I give you permission to touch that sore spot. I give you permission to come fully into my heart, then he'll do it. Because it's who he is. He's a good father. And he loves you. Let's finish up John chapter 20. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen 
who have not seen and yet have believed. This is you, friends. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Though the situation doesn't look good, though it looks like there's no way out, it looks like you lost that person sooner than they should have been. He is still good. And you can make a decision today to say, even though I have not seen him, I know him and he's good and he's faithful. And even though this hurts, he's still good. And even though it looks like he didn't show up in time, I'm going to choose to believe that his ways are higher than my ways. I'm going to choose to believe that when it hurts, he's producing something in me that can't be produced any other way and it's a choice that you have to make or you can choose to stay in that painful place Thomas missed the infilling of the Holy Spirit when Jesus shows up and he he blows on them and his spirit consumes the room how many encounters have we been robbed of Because we're holding on to pain and rejection. How many times has God wanted to use you and he couldn't use you because you were stuck in your seat saying, I'm holding on to this thing. He wants to use you and he wants to heal you and that's good news for you today. He loves you so much the way you are, but he also loves you so much that he's not willing to leave you like that. He's going to keep working on us. We're constantly in the refiner's fire, and it hurts. I wish I could tell you that it was uh, so good. And I want to, I hope I'm not over on time. I know I should be looking at a clock. Are we good? We're good. Everyone's good. Thank you. I want to end with just a a short story that led me to Thomas. Um, As Anne spoke about, we had the pleasure of serving for two years as missionaries to the highest concentrated population of Arab Muslims in the world outside of the Middle East. So there are places in Dearborn that just don't even look like the United States. You would be pretty shocked, I think, if you were to drive there today. And I prayed some really wild and crazy prayers there because it was a crazy place and you just had to be like that. So I would pray, God, don't take me out of this city until every family is swept into the kingdom. God, if I have to be a martyr that they would know you, I will do it. And I just began to really give myself to this thing called the gospel. Are there some people in here who believe that the gospel is worth actually giving our lives for? Come on. If we don't believe that, then we should just pack up because we're just playing church. And so I said, God, please just I want to see the chains of religion broken off of them. I want to see those babies that are born. And the first thing they hear is a whisper of a prayer in their ear that Allah is God and you will serve no other than him. 
I said, I just want to see one of those kids accept you and experience freedom. I want to see the women that I work with that come in with bruises and black and blue eyes and have to deal with beatings because it's part of their religion. I want to see them know you. It's all I want. It's all that I want. It is, it's consuming my life. I would pray and I would labor and I would pray and I would labor. And, and we gave our lives to that people group for two years. And in a matter of weeks, every door slammed shut at the end of that two-week period, or that two years. In a matter of two years, two weeks, every door slammed shut. And I couldn't see what God was doing. And before I knew it, we were packing our stuff and heading to Tallahassee. Tallahassee's a little bit different than where we were at. And this was not an easy transition. I will just be very honest with you because I really don't know any other way to be. So when we got here, I started to doubt and question just like Thomas did. God, I didn't see what I labored for. I didn't see what I prayed and believed for. And the picture that I painted in my mind, it doesn't look anything like that. And who will tell them? And who will hold their hand? And I started with the wise, and it led to a dark place. When we first moved here, I, I fell into probably the darkest, deepest depression I've ever experienced in my life. And you know what that darkest, deepest depression, what it really was? It was separation from God. I, I began to doubt everything he ever said. I began to question, God, are, are you really who you say you are? And in those moments, like a good father and like a Psalm 91, he just hid me. In the shadow of his wings. And he just gave me a time of rest. And then he began to speak to me like a good father. You know how when you're really angry and upset, it's like not a good time to start talking to someone? It was like God knew that. He was like, Amy is so angry right now. I'm just going to cover her and I'm going to give her a place to just rest and we're going to work this thing out. And he began to speak to me and he began to show me that his ways are higher. And there were men here that needed to be set free of addiction and they needed to know that they were worth something. And so even though I got torn from what I thought was my calling, he had something so much better. See, friends, we have to be careful not to write the story. Because you're going to write the story and when it doesn't go your way, then all of a sudden we want to blame him. But he, he didn't write that story. That was Amy writing the story. And so I learned the most valuable lesson through Thomas, through my own experience, that disappointment and pain left undealt with will cause 
the greatest painful separation from the Lord that you don't want. And he desires to walk through a wall like he did for Thomas, like he did for Amy. He met me right in my room that I didn't want to get out of. And he said, oh, Amy, but I love you. And if you'll just get up again, I've got another assignment. And he's saying that to you today. If you will let him in to the painful places of your heart and let him know, God, you can have it all. I'm done writing this story. I'm going to put the pen down and I'm going to embrace whatever you have for me. It doesn't look like how I thought it was going to look like. The answer hasn't come the way I thought it was going to come, but I'm going to trust you because you are good. Yes, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are who you say you are. And you are so much more. God, thank you that you don't ever leave us in that mess. You're always waiting right there. You're always waiting right there with open arms. God, if there's anyone in this room that is living in that place of doubt and unbelief because of pain, because of disappointment, because of unmet expectations, God, you are the only one that can go directly to that pain in their heart and heal it. And I'm asking that there would be people in this room that would be bold enough to say, yes, that situation has caused pain, that has caused me to doubt him, that has caused me to doubt what he said. But today I'm serving an eviction notice to doubt. And I'm choosing to believe that you are who you say you are. And I'm choosing to believe that an injection of hope is happening right now in my heart because you are good and you desire to give us hope and a future. God, would you do that right now for your children that you love? We trust you. You are faithful and you are good. And even when it doesn't feel good, we will boast in in your goodness. And even when it's hard, we will still proclaim your glory. Even when it's painful to lift my hands because it doesn't look like how I thought it was going to look like, I'll lift my hands and I'll praise you because you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of everything that we could ever give to you and so much more. So we choose you today and we choose to trust you over our own feelings and emotions. We choose your word. We choose you. God, thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for not leaving us in this mess. Thank you that you are speaking to people right now because it's what you do and who you are. We love you and we thank you 
for not ever leaving us alone and always meeting us right where we are. As we surrender our lives to him, God, would you just come and meet us in this place? Would you come and meet us in that moment of surrender? Surrendering our story to pick up yours. Would you just meet us right here, right now? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing right now in people. Thank you that you are our healer, that you heal and bind our wounds. would like someone to pray with you, if you'd like to accept that Savior that walks through walls to meet you, you're not here by accident. You are here very much on purpose because he wanted to speak to you today. And if you feel like he's not done and you want someone to pray with or you want to accept him as Lord and Savior and truly surrender your life once and for all to him. Uh, I know that I would be honored to pray with you. And I know CHC has some faithful, amazing prayer warriors that always come down. And I just love you all. So if you would like to come, we will open the altar and give an invitation. And for those of you uh, that don't feel led to come, let me just bless you. Father, thank you that you are always in the business of healing and restoring. It's just your nature and you're so good at it. And so we thank you for who you are. I ask that the hope that has been injected into your people today, that they would now become carriers of hope and they would go encourage others in who you are. God, thank you. I ask that you would put a hedge of protection around them. We ask that you would encourage Pastor Steve right now where he is, that you would inject uh, encouragement into him, that in the moments while he may have to be down, oh, those aren't lost moments because nothing is lost with you. We ask that you would whisper in his ear, that you would speak to him in this time, that you with your wings would just cover him him and embrace him and love on him while he's uh, held down. We know that you, nothing is lost with you. So you have a plan and you have a purpose for this time. And we thank you that you are encouraging him by your spirit right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you would bless those that are leaving and God, let them be your messengers of hope in this community. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. 
And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.